You are listening to The Sex is Great. It's the dating that has us questioning everything. Episode number two. This last week, Austin, Texas had another winter storm come through and it caused a massive power outage across the city. It reminded me of the ever so stressful snowpocalypse that happened a few years back, which inspired me to dig into the good old archives. So this time, unlike last time, I was not nearly as triggered. That was not lost on me. Admittedly, these circumstances were not nearly as extreme, but if you're like me, it doesn't take much to deregulate the good old nervous system. However, I had to give myself some credit. The practices that I talk about in these two episodes I'm going to play for you have been part of my everyday life for quite some time. And it gave me an entirely different grasp on the situation. In the first episode, Trauma is Trauma, I share what is happening in your brain and body when you are experiencing trauma, how to process anxiety, and why it's important to not just breathe, but the chemicals that you need to create to counteract that stress and how you can. The second episode, Let's Talk About Stress Baby, was a follow-up to a listener who asked why they didn't feel like having sex during that week when everything was shut down, and that was something I experienced as well. My body and brain were just like, Meh. but there's a reason for that. When your body doesn't feel turned on, when it's stressed out, and there's a way around it, my friends, and the answer to that, if you ask me, is the answer to most things. I hope you enjoy these little blasts from the past. Leave me your comments and questions, and don't forget to subscribe to my Substack, The Sex is Great. It's free, but of course, you can show your support by paying to subscribe. All right, let's tune in and turn on. Hey, renegades. I have not been sure how to start or record this week's episode. For those of you that are in Texas, you know that we just experienced what was quite a traumatic event last week. For those of you who don't live in the area or didn't hear because the media is what it is and never quite delivers the reality of what is going on from the ground up, we had a snowstorm turn, well, it was a snowstorm combined with very low temperature digits. I can't talk right now. We'd never seen such cold weather, literally. Like, I guess it'd been 50 years since it'd been that cold here, but in any other state, Snow and ice and single-digit weather would not be a problem, be no big thing. But in Texas, we are literally not set up for that kind of weather, meaning our infrastructure, which is something that we all say here, like, oh, we don't have the infrastructure for snow days. <laughs> you can't drive on the roads like that here. We don't, they're not built for it. They don't know how to handle snow and ice. The Texans driving on it don't know how to drive in this weather, blah, blah, blah. It's just something I feel like we've always said. But to actually live it, I don't think it even occurred to me that on a statewide level, we literally don't have the infrastructure to even keep the power and heat on or the ability to prevent pipes from freezing and bursting. Imagine, if you will, a total modern city typically bustling with hundreds of thousands of people, frozen over and in the dark. I mean, when I wrote my newsletter last week after making it home, I had power, but I was still under a boil water restriction. I wrote it during a day that was 70 degrees and sunny, and there were no signs that we had even seen cold weather here. 
I'd written in my newsletter, what started out as a beautiful white winterland, slight comedic disbelief watching cars and people try to navigate the roads and sidewalks, walking in the snow to the Capitol and watching my child capture this moment in time, quickly turned into a powerless, waterless, freezing disaster that none of us Texans were prepared for. The entire experience felt reminiscent and familiar to last year's news about COVID and the pandemic. We were told it wouldn't be that big of a deal. Then we were told they didn't know when we would have power back on. Then our government officials were blaming and lying. And then everything came back on like nothing happened. If you live in Texas and you didn't know we were powered by our own grid, you definitely do now. It's been shocking, sad, and very traumatic on top of an already very traumatic year. You would think life would not do things like natural disasters, the death of pets, and heartache when you're already living in a pandemic, but life doesn't work that way. If anything, this is how life works. You live long enough and you are bound to believe it can and will happen to me, saying it is new for me, and I'm still not on the rooftop shouting it like I believe it to the core, but I have been quite humbled. It can and it will happen to me. I literally always think like, oh, that's not going to happen to me or to us. Our city lose power. What? It's 2021. That's not going to happen. Talk about surreal. Seeing people walk in the streets with bags, trying to get food or shelter, our unhomed urgently being picked up by buses to be taken to convention centers and hotels, which ran out of space, lines around markets whose shelves were completely bare, people burning their furniture to stay warm, family and friends huddled up together, sharing their food. People did not know what to do, and the city clearly didn't know what to do. But I'll also tell you this, the minute the people of the city were able to get into their frozen shut cars. They hit the road fucking running. It's an incredible thing to witness community support, mutual aid, citizens getting involved to help those who need it. It's inspiring, encouraging, and heartwarming. It's an understatement. I wish that some of these people would run for office or get on our city council. They have the required get shit done attitude. What's interesting is that not all people are capable of this sort of effort. And I think in society, we as a whole tend to forget that. I also think that most of us aren't aware of this other fact. And it might seem like, sure, okay, yeah, mm, that makes sense, but what's really the big deal? But there is this fact that not all people process trauma the same way. Several people could share an experience, for example, the Holocaust, or being a victim to rape. But each of those people will process that trauma differently. Some will be able to heal and move on in a way that they're not affected by it daily, whereas others will relive it every day and be in a constant state of trauma. Those may seem like extreme examples, but I also want to remind you that the brain doesn't translate or qualify what is a traumatic event or if one thing is worse than the other. So natural disasters, fight with your best friend or partner, quarantine, job losses, pandemics, death, anything on that list, none of it, according to each individual brain, is worse or less than. Each person's brain interprets events differently. What's traumatic for some might not be for others. It is an individual experience. We know that when the brain experiences a trauma, things take a right-angle turn. A new neural pathway and way of being is developed. And again, this varies per the individual as well. 
Not every individual will fall into a traumatic state from these events, but it is likely that they are operating from a primitive or survival reactive state, meaning fight, flight, or freeze. The reason I'm mentioning this is because I've talked to and heard from so many people this last week, and with the exception of few, most of you are stunned, but you're not sure why. You think you should feel differently than you do. You've shared that you feel guilty, judged, embarrassed, shame, fear, shock. I would not hesitate to pause and feel into these feelings, my friends. Those and any others that are coming up, they are all warranted. I've spent this last week taking note of how I responded to this crisis emotionally, physically, and spiritually. I should maybe say how I reacted. Upon first reflection, I was disappointed with myself. How could you have not journaled each day, taken time to meditate, laughed more, made love, enjoyed being off the grid, read? It was like I shut down and forgot all about my self-care. All I could do each day was check in with my family, make them food, cook for my friends, and sit. Thankfully, my lover saw that I was riddled with anxiety and insisted I follow a guided meditation, and that shifted things for me dramatically. Our brains were experiencing a chemical release of all the stress hormones, daily drips of cortisol, adrenaline. Our sympathetic nervous system was in full activation, and this renegades is a real buzzkill. Literally, it blocks you from all your feel-good juices. I've mentioned before a quote the Navy SEALs train by, Under pressure, you don't rise to the occasion. You sink to your level of training. It turns out this quote was taken from a Greek poet named, bear with me, Archilochus? <laughs> Obviously, I'm not very familiar with him. But he originally had said, we don't rise to the level of our expectations. We fall to the level of our training. This is why I refer to myself and we, the renegades, as baby seals. No doubt about it, but hot damn, it's humbling when the real thing happens. Last week, I talked about how hard many of us train for marathons or continue to or within our yoga practice, competing in athletic events and polar bear plunges to show us what we are capable of, a very real and challenging time. That type of training showed us that we have grit, capability, discipline, that we could acquire the skills to overcome the obstacles in front of us. What I want to offer is that we renegades master the art of breathing. It is the only way to regulate your nervous system, which is required when in crisis. From a place of breath, we can examine our thoughts and discern from there. We zoom out and with an eagle's eye, we observe how we showed up. How did we perform? Where did we thrive versus survive? This isn't from a place of judgment, but compassionate curiosity. You might be asking why this matters. It's over. Well, this isn't going to be our last crisis, my friends. We want foresight and we need to process and heal. So like every week, we want to inquire, seek, and reveal. See the thoughts you had. Notice the sensations in your body. How were you acting with yourself and others around you? What was your internal experience during this time of crisis? Put it on paper. To get your body and mind back on track, I want to offer you meditate rest, take naps, have orgasms, dance, work out. We want to start raising the beta endorphins, serotonin, and dopamine levels in our brains and bodies. And then also, I've heard from some of you that sex wasn't top of mind. 
I experienced this as well. And as a, what I would call or refer to a highly sexual being, I found this to be quite intriguing. So next week, I'm going to talk about sex, stress, and why times of crisis may lead you to feel zero desire to get it on. You know, I feel a little tested. I deliberately decided that 2021 would be the year we started finding turn-on in everyday life. How the fuck can we live an erotic life in these unprecedented times? (laughs) Find pleasure when shit is going sideways. These are the deep questions that I'll be exploring. Until next week, renegades, think and stay sexy. This is Ashley Kelsch, and you are listening to Life Coaching for Modern Renegades, episode number 65. Welcome to Modern Renegades Podcast. This is a life coaching podcast for the person who wants to learn how to lose themselves in the moment, not life circumstances. Each week, we will explore mental and spiritual practices that will inspire you to ask, seek, and heal. They are for the modern renegade. They are for you. Hello, renegades. Happy Saturday. I promised you last week that I was going to be talking about stress, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the things like depressed, devastation, and doubt that make me and you. Let's talk about stress and how it affects our sex. Gimme, 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 gimme. Let's talk about stress. No, wait, let's talk about sex. (laughs) Let's talk about all the things, shall we? Did you know that one in four women are struggling with depression? Given the last year and the added pressures from COVID, this has increased. And the pressure, not being able to live the way that you once did, grieving and mourning all things pre-pandemic, has increased our potential to fall into all the emotions and behaviors that fall under the category of uncomfortable. I've been thinking recently about my neighbor who is pregnant. She had posted this picture on vacation and said, I'm not sure if the added weight is from the baby or vacation, but either way, I don't care. It was something like that. And it reminded me of the times when I was pregnant and how I cared for myself, not just physically or by what I ate, but emotionally. All of my typical mental shaming and propensity to be hard on myself just melted away. The way I thought about my ever-expanding body, the way I embraced it and nurtured its growth, was so supportive and loving. The way I would rub lotion on my skin was done with such intention and care. And the foods that I would eat, the alcohol and the caffeine that I wouldn't drink, it was effortless to care for myself in this way. I mean, even when I heard it was good for my body and safe for the baby, for me to respond to my ever-increasing sexual desire I was feeling, I got right on that too. As a matter of fact, I ordered my first sex toy ever and introduced it to my husband and went straight to Pleasure Town. I was so in my body, but out of my mind. How does this practice, this art of self-love and pleasure get lost? I have to believe that the hormones that I was experiencing, that pregnant women experience, had a lot to play into this. But you know, as women, we're taught how to take care of others first and put ourselves last. Did you know that there's not only a wage gap between genders, but a pleasure gap? We're so used to sacrificing ourselves, our jobs, the pleasure, to make those around us happier. And then we wonder why we feel deprived, depressed, devastated, resentful, and exhausted. And God forbid you were to raise your voice and maybe I'll say demand more for yourself. 
because then you are going to be that emotional woman. As women, we have been raised to push it down, compact those feelings. And so today, what I'm going to suggest we do in regards to self-care and stress and all of these things might sound a little radical. Radical because as female-born creatures, we have not been taught that not only were we made to feel pleasure, but it's our inherent birthright. And that pleasure is the antidote to most of our inner turmoil, stress, and struggle. I've done my research, and it is physiologically science-backed. You are meant to feel pleasure, experience massive emotion, communicate, nurture yourself. And when we do this, we're able to create and increase the very necessary chemicals to survive stressful, challenging times. These hormones, serotonin, dopamine, and one in particular called nitric oxide is the cure to the cortisol, to our well-being. So how can we produce nitric oxide? Dr. Northup found that orgasm is how the body resets electromagnetic grid and maintains vibrant health and pleasure. In order to feel joy and pleasure daily, our brains need a constant supply of beta endorphin, the morphine-like feel-good chemical, because nitric oxide is the uber neurotransmitter that is responsible for all the other feel-good neurotransmitters like beta endorphin, you need to follow a pleasure-enhancing lifestyle that keeps your nitric oxide levels high. If you don't get pleasure deliberately and healthfully, your body will get its endorphin through drugs, alcohol, and sugar. Now here's the challenge, Renegades. For some, the idea of sex and orgasm, initiating it with your partner or self during difficult, stressful, challenging, unprecedented times may sound hard, possibly impossible. And the brain wants to do the easier thing to feel good as fast as possible. Let's not forget it's designed to seek pleasure, avoid discomfort, and be efficient. More and more people are likely to reach for a drink or dessert before they are going to reach for an orgasm. Your brain's like, what? No, an orgasm? That's going to take too long. I don't want to do that. And so you reach for the quick fix of dopamine, which, let me remind you, these concentrated kicks of dopamine are short-lived and unfortunately produce more stress hormones and chemicals of cortisol and epinephrine, aka adrenaline, hangovers, weight gain, etc. Are you feeling me? That's what your brain will go to and refer to under normal circumstances for relief add to our new life and stresses that we are under that are triggering our fight, flight, or freeze responses, we are firing off these chemicals and vibrating from a reactive state. The longer these states go unnoticed, the more long-term damaging effects they have on our physiology, emotional states, and overall well-being. Heart disease, addiction, depression, renegades, we need nitric oxide. Remember going to spin class, the music was pumping, you were moving and grooving on your bike with your community, supporting one another, and that feeling after, that was as good as sex, wasn't it? There are many ways to get a boost of the beta endorphins, serotonins, and dopamine that our bodies need. It is not limited to the bedroom. The design of the female body was born beyond progressive. The state of the world has most of our brains shutting down, which shuts down our sex drives. That's what chronic stress does. 
It literally works against the hormones required to get us in the mood and produce more of that yum, yum. Our brains are processing what is happening around us as urgent, and we have more important needs than sex. Therefore, those mechanisms shut down. How can we produce and marinate in these chemicals and hormones? I know for a fact I shut down in times of crisis. I'm the type to freeze when I'm in survivor mode or trauma. And as I mentioned last week, I experienced this zero sex drive not at all on my mind scenario when Austin had its freeze over. And as a sexual being, I found this curious. Not that sex is a coping mechanism for me, but it is a high priority in my self-care and well-being program, orgasm at least, with myself. The fact that it didn't even occur to me was really interesting. What was more interesting is how I found myself aware that this was even happening to me. It was on the third or fourth day of us still wondering when Austin would have its utilities restored, and my lover suggested that I meditate. There was one specifically that he thought I needed to hear about anxiety. I think he and everyone else around me could feel my anxiety reverberating throughout whatever room I was near. So I laid down in a quiet room, and as I listened to the narrator explain that anxiety comes from extreme apprehension and worry, I started to cry, and I was like, yes, (laughs) all of us in this world right now, yes. And then he's like, breathe. And then I was like, no. I don't want to. And then he said, I want you to start with a body scan to just bring awareness into your body and renegades. I definitely did not want to go there. And I will tell you why. As soon as I tuned in to my body, I could feel just how icky and uncomfortable my insights felt. It was like a cauldron of boiling bubbly that was releasing in a static frantic energetic state all throughout my body. I felt sick. And I realized this is my body pumping and dripping cortisol head to toe, which in this moment, I realized how in my head I had been in survivor mode, freaked out. Admittedly, it wasn't physically easy for me to be in my body to do this, which explains why I was avoidant to drop in. I did the meditation twice and worked out the anxiety That's the great thing about the brain. I will give it the credit when it's due. All you have to do is label anxiety as anxiety and narrate and describe it. This act moves you from your primitive survivor brain into your prefrontal decision-making brain, your modern brain. And I want to urge all of you who have anxiety and live with it daily, that when you wake up, label it immediately. Become the watcher of it. Get really intimate with it. In doing so, you can start to feel it as soon as it's presenting itself under other circumstances when maybe you're not being mindful or present. It doesn't necessarily fully relieve you of anxiety, but there is a massive shift that happens. Okay, so once I'm in my body and I'm fully relaxed from this scan and the breath work, I felt normalized. I was out of my mind. And then it was as if... From a faraway space and place, I could hear my pussy calling out, Hello? What the fuck? She had questions. She even had some answers. She was like, Why do you always shut me out when things get stressful? Don't you know I'm the answer? The truth is, yes and no. Sex isn't always the answer, but are pussies? 
are life force pleasure filled circuit boards? Now, yes, they do have the answers. My body, your body has the answers to what we need to do to remain in our turned on states. It is our intuitive guide, this ultra uber femme force. The answers can range from supporting our sisterhood, families, and communities. It could be dancing and feeling your emotions move through you while you laugh or cry or both. It could be a sweaty workout. It could be the orgasm. It could be breath work and meditation. But ultimately, it's getting out of our heads and into our bodies and creating these anabolic chemicals that will decrease the negative catabolic ones. I want you to ask yourself, when was the last time I felt good? Like really good. I'm not just talking about pleasing or the pleasure from your pussy. I am talking about all the things that light you up and make you feel alive. What were you doing? Maybe you were with your girlfriends having dinner. Maybe you had just put on a matching lingerie set and checked yourself out. Maybe you cooked a dinner for your lover. Maybe you were having a mind-blowing orgasm, saying yes to selfish things we want and need to do for us. These things, these pleasurable moments and activities, have us present in our bodies in the moment, and they are producing all of those feel-good, juicy chemicals required to feel alive. The anabolic emotions that give longevity to our bodies on a cellular level. You might be thinking feeling good and turned on is not a priority when life is challenging and turning upside down on itself, but I do want to push back here. I want you to consider that maybe this is exactly the answer to these times and for these times to find our light, our turn on, to take care of our needs first so we can better take care of and support those around us. If you don't want to use words like pleasure and pussy and turn on, I will offer you this. By regulating your nervous system with breath and beta endorphins, you are minimizing the anxiety and stress. The less stressed you are during difficult times, the more discerning you are in your decision-making and ability to care for those around you to make it through. Clear your mind, and the rest will follow. The side effects that it will have on your body will be far less damaging, and you will find that you have more energy to sustain. Whatever way you want to put it, it does not matter to me, renegades. I just want you to know, without any doubt, that your self-care is the utmost importance, and we need it now more than ever. Once your mind is clear, you can do what I tell you to do every week, which is journal. Get your thoughts on paper and deconstruct the fuck out of what you are thinking. Interrogate with love, kindness, and compassion all of these thoughts. The curious mind can show you so much about how and why you're reacting the way you are. The curious mind can bring you clarity. So until next week, renegades, get into your bodies and out of your minds. Hey, Renegades, if you're finding the tools and concepts I'm sharing each week about your brain on dating, you won't want to miss out on working with me one-on-one. I've just launched my program, Wake Up Before Another Breakup, and in just eight weeks, you won't question if you can trust yourself to date or why you can't find the one. Head on over to modernrenegades.com forward slash programs to learn more about it and how you can work with me. Let's learn how to lose ourselves in the moment, not the man.